0: Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Calvary Chapel. If you're visiting, we want to welcome you here. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, as we are coming close to wrapping up this wonderful book. I hope it's been a blessing for you. Ephesians chapter 6. While you're turning there, a little announcement. How many of you uh, listen to Amir Sarfate? Oh, awesome. Okay, so he's going to be coming here and speaking February 5th. Okay, so, yeah, exciting. I'm excited. So uh, and it's going to be a Saturday that he's going to be speaking. We're going to do like a little mini conference and, you know, like 10 o'clock in the morning. And and then he's going to open up for questions and answers afterwards. And then we'll do a little food outside. So uh, excited about that. Be praying about that. We're excited that he's coming. Um, Great guy. He was uh, our guide twice in Israel, probably 15 years ago. And so we got to know him back then, and now he travels all over the world, and he's in constant demand because God has been using him greatly. And so we're just excited that uh, he just let us know he was going to be in town, and, and uh, he's coming. So, amen. Okay, so we're in Ephesians uh, chapter 6 today. Uh, we're going to do verses 1 through 9. Uh, We'll get into the armor of God next week because there's so much in there. I don't even know if I can do the armor of God in one week, but um, we're going to be looking at today. The title of the message is Honor and Obey, so it's going to be about children. It's going to be about parents. It's going to be about employees and employers, masters and servants, bosses and workers, and so uh, good stuff. Nobody gets away with anything. God has something for everybody. Amen? Amen. So let's read verses 1 through 9. It says, chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents. That's like a plaque, isn't it? This, this is probably the, uh, the one Sunday we should have no children's ministry at all and just kept all the kids in, right? But you can get them the tape and go over it with them. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you, masters, do the same things to them, giving up, threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Lord, we want to draw closer to you. We want to be better uh, sons and daughters of our great king, And Lord, we can only do that by the Holy Spirit. And so we pray right now that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit, Lord God, and open our ears to hear and give us hearts to receive, Lord God, that we would desire to be better for your glory. And so speak to us through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. So we've been talking about a lot of great things in chapters 4, 5, and 6 and it's actually a result of understanding what God thinks of us. So if you don't understand how God sees you and how much he loves you, it's not easy to tell a wife to submit to her husband. It's not easy to tell a husband to love his wife like Christ loved the church unless you understand how much God loves you and how much he's done for you. So chapters 1, 2, and 3 share all those things, all the things that God has done for us. I mean, he created us, he he, he met our needs, he died for our sins on the cross, he gives us eternal life if we put our trust in him, he's given us this new body one day that we're going to have when we stand in his presence, he's given us all spiritual blessings at our fingertips, and many of us haven't tapped into that, so he gives us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, he gives us something to do, every one of you has a calling, You should be answering that call. And he not only gives you a calling, but he also gives you the power to do the calling. And then he rewards you for what you did when he did it all through you. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And then we're going to be with him forever when we give up our last breath here on this earth and go with him. I mean, so he's done so many things and his love for us is deeper than any love we've ever experienced. When you read in the Gospel John that he loves us with the same love that he has for the Son, Jesus Christ, that should blow your mind. I mean, for me, I'd be like, yeah, Jesus, that love is awesome. Not too sure about you guys. But that's not how he feels about you. He loves you the same way. And so the result of that, as we get into chapters 3, I mean 4, 5, and 6, now it's, it's because of all he's done for us, because of how he feels about us, it's, there should be this natural response from us, which is what? To love and obey, to honor and obey, to serve him, for he's, he's worthy of it. He's worth it. He's amazing. And, and knowing everything that he's done, knowing that we have this eternal life thing, should cause us to just serve Him all of our days, to get out of our our own selfishness. You know, well, I don't got time to serve Jesus. Really? You make time. You make time. You make time to do the things that you really love, don't you? Right? Right? I mean, if the movie's starting at 6 o'clock, you're there at 15 minutes before 6, aren't you? Do you show up at the airport when your plane's taken off or an hour beforehand? But then you wander into church 15 minutes late every week. That just came out. I don't know. what I, I, You know, I always said to myself, it would be really interesting if the Lord raptured the church out and he left some of us behind. And then we're freaking out for 20 minutes and he comes back and he goes, I just wanted you to know how it feels. (laughs) But the result of all that God has done for us produces love in us. Love for him, love for one another. Produces us to be other-centered and not self-centered. It, it, it brings about grace in our life and forgiveness. It causes us to be kind and, and humble. It, it allows us to think better of other people and be more concerned with others than ourselves. And then it, he talks about us striving for unity. That we're, we are in this together, guys. Jesus is coming soon. And we need to be interlocked with arms and doing ministry here on the North Shore because God has put us here for such a time as this. And we need to get out of our little bubble and we need to go next door to our neighbor who's not saved and one more time share the gospel with them. In love, striving together, serving others, and serving in the church. And then we got to that portion last week that we looked at husbands and wives. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. No husband has ever done that. But it doesn't lower the standard. Wives, submit unto your husbands as unto the Lord in everything. No woman has ever done that to her husband. But it doesn't lower the standard. And all these things we're talking about doing is serving, forgiving, showing grace and kindness, humbling ourselves and and being there for others rather than the things for ourselves and and loving our wives like Christ loved the church and submitting unto our husbands. All these things can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why he tells us constantly to be praying for a fresh refilling. Be ye being filled. The idea is continually. You got to be asking every day. You got all day long, Lord, fill me up, Lord, fill me up. Oh, here comes that person, fill me up, Lord. This guy's a real tough case, fill me up, Lord. Oh, here comes that person that always wants to argue with me about the Bible. Fill me up, Lord, give me grace. It's So important. We need the Holy Spirit. And now we come to this portion, a section of the scriptures where it says, to honor your parents. That goes for teenagers too that goes for adults that goes you know and back in those days the the old people were the patriarchs. If you were a great grandpa, everybody looked up to you and asked you for questions It it's kind of seems like today we kind of kick the elderly to the curb. We don't take care of them like you know and you know if you ever, if you got kids, you ever felt like your kids didn't appreciate you? Just one guy, yeah okay <laughs> you're all you're all like it's you're you're having flashbacks right now, yeah. But we're supposed to honor and obey our parents. A child is to obey his parents unless their parents are trying to tell them to do something that's contrary to the word of God. It's the same thing for a wife, wife, because I've I've been in counseling sessions where a husband's telling his wife to submit to stuff that's just wrong. And he says she needs to submit. And I go, No, you're in sin, and now you're asking her to sin. So, same with the kids. We are to honor and obey our our parents unless they're asking us to do sin then it's a different story. But we are to be teaching our kids about Jesus. Are you teaching your kids about Jesus? Are are you somebody that doesn't tell them about God and the things of God and the Word of God, but you're quick to correct them when they're out of line? They need to know why they're out of line. And the Word of God covers all of that. It's, It's important for them to understand. Children are to obey parents. Children are not to run the household. I've seen a few families where the kids run the house I've seen it where kids smack mom and dad yeah (laughs) we'll get into that you are the parent you are not their best friend you are their parent first and foremost this passage does not say parents obey your children it says, children, obey your parents. Now, you know, you may have a great relationship with your kid. My kids are all grown up. They're married. They have kids. Whatever, I have a great relationship with them, but I'm still their dad. And, and you can be a friend to your child, but first and foremost, you're a parent. Because if you practice more of being their friend, then you will avoid disciplining them and correcting them because you don't want to hurt their feelings and ruin your relationship. How many times have you ever had your kids say, I'll never talk to you again. And then I look at them and I go, I'm fine with that. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing, parents. We need to be an example to our kids. Are are you an example? Are you telling them, to do something that you're not doing yourself. See, that's hypocrisy. They see right through it. Are you a good example for them? I always remember what uh, Gail Irwin said at, a, at the Honolulu conference once. He, he said, I keep trying to teach my kids good eating habits that the problem is they still eat like me. And there, there's so much truth in that because when you're telling your kids not to do something or to do something this way, but you're not doing it yourself, they will mimic you. They will copy you. So before you're too hard on your kids, you got to ask yourself, am I obeying the father as a dad? Am I obeying the father as a mom? Am I giving off good signals or am I giving off mixed messages? And as a parent, there's going to be times that we're going to have to discipline our kids, and that is biblical. And I'm not talking just discipline, send them to the room, give them a timeout, cut off their privileges. But there's times when there's going to be spanking. I know that's just like, you can't talk about that today in this world. Because they can take away your kids for, for spanking them. But the Bible tells us if we don't discipline our kids, we really don't love them. So when you're trying to be their best friend and you don't want to hurt their feelings and you don't discipline them, the Bible says you really don't love them that much because love sometimes hurts. And to those whom God loves, he rebukes and chastens. Amen? Amen? He loves you so dearly with a love that you've never had, but if you're not listening to him, he will take you to the woodshed. He will spank you because he loves you. He never does it out of line. He never does it to his children in wrath. He does it because he loves you, and he'll make sure that he, you know he loves you when he's done. And so we're to be that same example. As we come to discipline our kids, there's going to be times when they need a spanking. And God provided a a really cushy little area on the body that they'll get the message and surely not die. But if we don't um, apply the rod of correction to the seed of knowledge, then our kids will be unruly. Now, that might upset some of you that don't spank your kids. But you know what? Once in a while, that's what they need. Let me read some Proverbs to you. Don't, don't turn there because I'm, just, I'm going to go through a bunch of them. Proverbs 3.11, My son, do not despise the chasing of the Lord, nor detest his correction for whom the Lord loves. He corrects. Proverbs 10.17, He who keeps instructions is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. Proverbs 12.1, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Sugarcoat that one, right? Proverbs 13.24, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Proverbs 15.5, a fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. Proverbs 22.15, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Are you getting inspired? (laughs) Proverbs 23.13, do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. The word there in the Hebrew is sheol, so you're supposed to beat the sheol out of him. Now, I'm not talking abuse, all right? I'm not talking abuse. I don't think you should ever hit your kid in the head or smack him in the face. We've all messed up, probably, right? I mean, I can remember driving, having all the kids in the back, car seats, and, you know, jumping all around and going off. He looked at me. Oh, she touched me. He pinched me. And you're just like driving, just whacking everybody, Right? Why did you hit me? I didn't do anything. Well, that's for what you're going to do, right? So, you know, we've, we've all probably slipped up. I want to encourage you that um, if you're really heated over something your kids have done, um, you take a time out before you correct them, discipline them, so that you don't do it in anger, so you don't do it in fury. Send them to the room. Make them think about it. Give them some time. But there comes a time when, you know, Your kids need to be spanked. Proverbs 29, 15 says, The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother and father. Right? So there comes a time when these things need to come about. And listen, we do it in love. you got to make sure that when you discipline your kids, they understand why you're doing it, and then after you discipline them, you make sure they know that you love them. Okay? That's important to do. Our job as parents is to teach them not to sin, right? You don't have to teach your kids to sin. They already know how to sin, amen? Amen. They're little sinners. It's not like you have your five-year-old out in the parking lot and you go, okay, here's the deal. We're going into food land. I'm probably going to know just about everybody in there. We're going to come down the aisle. You're going to grab a big chocolate bar, demand that I buy it for you. I'm going to say no. You're going to throw it at me, call me names, and fall down on the floor and scream bloody murder. You don't have to do that to your kids. They do that all naturally. <laughs> I remember one time when my kids were little. This was before I was a pastor, so don't judge me. Um, they were little, and we were going through food lab and one of them was acting up. And, I'm, you know, how they grab everything. He was like, put it away. And they're, like, demanding, and they're screaming, and they're acting up and everything. And I just went over, and I just went, pop, right on the rear end. And he just started, I won't tell you which one. He just started screaming, and this lady looks over me, and she goes, you should never hit your children. And I'm like, oh yeah? How many you got? Well, I don't have any children, obviously, right? (laughs) I mean, they will push you to the limit sometimes. You know, when I grew up, there was this guy called Dr. Spock. He wasn't part of the SS Enterprise, it was a guy who um, wrote this book on kids. And one of the th- big things that he had going in the book was that you should never spank your kids. And, and so what it did was it pr- produced the most unruly generation that had no consequences. And today we have things like that with CPS. CPS was Child Protective Service, was normally originated to help because there was child abuse and there's a need for that. But now it's gone too far to where you can't spank your kids. Even if they see a red mark on their bottom, they can take your children away. And, and what that does is that it's it just like, it doesn't produce any consequences for the kids. Nothing's going to happen to them. I'm going to do, you know, it's kind of like what we see today with, with these guys getting arrested for crimes and let out the next day. And then they go and do the same thing, get arrested and let out the next day. There's no consequence. And so what it does is it, it produces an unruly generation that has no respect. And, and we need to have respect. It's important. Uh, For our elders, for uh, men and women in service, Um, we need to teach that to kids. And it's your obligation as a parent to teach them about the things of God and teach them to respect their elders and others, to be other-centered and not self-centered. So he tells them to obey your parents. And then in verse 2 he says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So this is a quote from uh, the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, Deuteronomy 5, 16. And there's some other places, Colossians has it in there too. It's the fifth commandment. It's the, uh, the first four deal with our relationship to God, the last uh, six deal with our relationship with man and and the commandment the fifth commandment is to honor thy father and mother and it comes with a promise of long life well, what what does that have to do because in those days um if you disobeyed your parents and you wouldn't listen to your parents they they would take you to the elders at the gate or the priests, the leaders of the 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 group, and say, listen, this is my son, he's rebellious, he calls us names, he won't treat us right, won't do anything, and then they'll say to him, is this true? And he goes, yeah, what of it? What do you care? And who are you guys to tell me what to do? They go, oh, and so everybody would pick up rocks and stone them. Now, I imagine that woke up the kids in that little village, right? You know, when they see someone they hang out with get stoned for disobeying their parents. That was a real thing, so this 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 first commandment that came with a promise of long life, there was really a, a reason behind that, because in Exodus 21:15 it says, "He who strikes his father or mother shall surely be put to death." Verse 17 in Exodus 21 says, "He who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death." I thank God for his grace today. Amen. Amen. or we'd have a lot less children, probably. I mean, can you imagine doing it like in those days? That'd be pretty crazy. But God shows us grace. And God was really firm on kids being respectful and obedient. And that goes for us as adults, being respectful and obedient to our parents. And, you know, I remember in my day that you showed respect, (laughs) I mean, it was almost like you thought there was a conspiracy on your street that all the adults were against you as a kid. Because why? Because if you acted up, they would rat you out. They would go to your parents and say, you know what? I heard your son. He was saying dirty words with the other kids. And I just brought over a bar of soap just in case you didn't have any. Right? And, and my dad used to tell the neighbors, if my kid acts up, smack him, send him home to me, and then I'll deal with him. There was a conspiracy But here's what it produced, respect. Because when we talked to a neighbor, it was, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. When we talked to an official, a servant, a a police officer, a fireman, a teacher, it was, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. You don't have that today. And it's important that we instill that upon our kids. It's important that we bring that message of good morals to our children because our children will be running things when we're older. And if we don't put our time into our kids now, what, why would they put their time into us when we're old? I I can remember discipline was so important back in my day that even at school the principal could give you swats. Anybody remember that? Oh wow, a lot. Wow, remember that? They they'd have these big like canoe paddles, right? And I remember my my uh, what do you call him? Principal. He he like drilled out these like one inch holes everywhere. <laughs> So it was more aerodynamic, and and when it when it hit your rear end would like suck up in those holes, and so you'd have like this huge red mark with all these white dots. And as parents, we were they were okay with them doing that to us, but you boy, you can't do that now, can you? But there was a lot more respect. There was a lot less crime. There was a lot less. Um, abuse going on because people respected others, and you know Jesus wouldn't give us something to do that He wouldn't do for do for us to give us an example. Jesus honored and obeyed his earthly parents. Did you know that? You, I think it's in Luke two, but um, it was when it was the feast of Passover, and. They made the trip, Joseph and Mary and the family with their extended family coming to uh, Jerusalem for that feast. And um, and then they were leaving. Jesus was like, like 12. They leave. He stays back and he's talking to these religious leaders about the word of God and blowing their minds. They get on their way back to Nazareth and then they already, they all of a sudden realize, where's Jesus? So they must have, you know, came with a big family, and they just assumed everybody was on board. We're going. Here's where we're going. But all of a sudden, it hit them. Where's G- Can you imagine losing God? I mean, right? And so they, they come rushing back, and, and Mary and Joseph, they find him, and he's teaching at 12. And she's all upset, like, you really you scared your, your, your father and me. We've been looking for you. And, and he says, I'm, I'm being about my father's business. And then it says they headed back to Nazareth and that he was subject unto them. What's that mean? He obeyed them. He obeyed his earthly parents. I mean, this is a teenager who is actually God. When mom said, hey, Jesus, will you take out the trash? He didn't say, I'm God. I don't take out the trash. He took out the trash. Hey, Jesus, make sure you're home by sundown. He didn't go, sundown? I want to stay out as long as, you know, I made the sun. I'll make that thing stay up in, the, up in the air about two more hours before I come home. No, he submitted himself unto them. He subjected himself to them. He never dissed them. Now you really want your kids to hear that, Right? Here's the problem. When we're not being parents like we should be, and children, when you, teenagers, young adults, when you're not being the child you're supposed to be, the problem is lordship. It's not your mom or your dad. And moms and dads, it's not your son or daughter. The problem is lordship. Who's lord in their life? See, if you're not teaching them the things of God, and making them understand the things of God. He talks about us training them up in the admonition of the Lord. That's, that's instructing, that's warning, so when the discipline comes, it's not a surprise. But if we as children are not obeying our parents and honoring our parents, what we're really saying is we're not honoring and obeying Jesus Christ. We're not honoring and obeying the Father And parents, when we provoke our children to wrath, it's saying we're not honoring our Father in heaven. And we're going to get into, as in the workplace, and that's going to get real touchy. As employees and employers, that we are supposed to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We're to be a representative for Jesus Christ wherever we go. And that may be a job that you don't even like. Well, God's got you there for such a time as this. So you excel in that position. Children, obey your parents. Don't just obey them. Go above and beyond. You will be honoring God and have favor. He said in verse 4, You fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. We need to speak life into our kids. Not always, you know, you're an idiot, you're stupid. Why are you doing that? We get really good at correcting them, but are we good at speaking life into them? See, I had a really bad habit of, um, with my kids and, and with people. With It's just like, you wouldn't hear from me unless something was wrong. And it was like, you know, if you don't hear from me, I'm stoked with you, everything's going great, but you didn't know that. I didn't tell you and then and then I realized it when I was doing that here in the church man everybody was doing great and I and I loved it and and they but they didn't know that I thought they were doing great and and it got to a place when I would call somebody they go what's wrong I go why I just called to say hi oh you usually only call when something's wrong And we can be like that as parents, always correcting our kid, correcting them, but never praising them, never building them up, never speaking life into them. You know, when you get upset with your kid and you say, you're stupid. You're never going to amount to anything. What are you thinking? Choose your words. When 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 your little kid comes to you and he says, listen, I'm going to be an astronaut one day, and I'm going to build a space center on Mars. You go, you go, bro, that sounds awesome. You don't go, dude, you can't do that. Haven't you heard of flat earth, right? You don't beat them down. You know, you can't even get past the atmosphere. Nobody ever even went on the moon. What makes you think they're going to go to Mars? You... No, I don't believe all that stuff anyway, right? But you know what I'm saying. When your kid comes to you, and then this, I hear this a lot with kids on Kauai, because we got a lot of talent on this island with men, girls, and boys when it comes to surfing. And you hear these little kids go, I'm going to be the champ one day. I'm going to be the world champ. We should be speaking life into that. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah, you can do it. Not, not tearing them down. Nah, I don't think you're going to make it, bro. <laughs> See, because when we say things like to them, I don't think you can ever be that. That's going to be too hard of a goal. You need to change your goals. We're, we're actually provoking them to wrath. When we say that they're stupid, when we tell them that you're never going to amount to anything, you're going to be a loser just like your father, we're provoking them to wrath. We are to instruct them and to warn them. That's really important because if you don't teach them right from wrong, so when you do discipline them, they don't fully understand. If you just tear into them, it's unfair. If you just tear into your kids when they have never been instructed, this will provoke them to wrath. So what you do is you you, you got to teach your kids the Word of God. you gotta put this, You got to take the time to answer their questions. What do you, you want to know about the Lord? Let's go through this the Bible together. And you instruct them in the ways of the Lord, and then you warn them if they break these rules, these commands of God, that there's going to be consequences so they know there's consequences and that they will be then disciplined so when they do do wrong... They know that they caused it themselves. And it's not just you tearing into them because they did wrong. Your kids need to understand. Teach them God's word so they know right from wrong. So when you discipline them, they will understand. You know, a lot of times I think, you know, teenagers are a handful, aren't they? Because, you know, when they hit, like, 12, 13, they think they know more than you. Right, parents? (laughs) (laughs) And they really do. You know, it's not till they're, like, late 20s that they go, maybe dad knows something. And then they get in their late 30s and, like, you know, dad knew a thing or two. And then they get in their late 40s and go, dad knew some stuff. But I encourage you, if you're having problems with your teenagers or your kids, make sure they know the Word of God. Make sure that they're not offending you, but they're offending the Lord by their actions. That their disobedience unto mom and dad is really a disobedience to the Lord, and it's a lordship problem. You need to make sure your children are saved. Born again? Well, they grew up in the church. That don't mean nothing. I'm more worried about the kids that have been grown up in the church than I am for the unbelievers out there, because when you talk to kids out there about Jesus, they just they just, they can just turn right to the Lord in a moment. But a lot of times, kids that grow up in the church this is all they know. They know they know they know how to speak Christianese. They know all about Jesus. They know how to answer everything that you're saying. <clears throat> But until they turn their lives over and make that commitment and be born again, they're not saved. Make sure they know the Word of God, that they're saved, that they're filled with the Spirit, and that will solve your problem. Talk to your kids about being filled with the Spirit. Because when they get their lordship right, guess what? Everything's going to be right between mom and dad and them. And everything's going to be right with us, not provoking them to wrath. It's important. This world is so hard on kids. This is a crazy generation. You know, I remember when I started to complain about the things, and growing up was hard. And my dad would say, "Well, you know what? It was the same thing in our day." And then his dad would say, "It was the same thing in our..." You know what I'm saying? This ain't something new. I went through it. Grandpa went through it. Great-grandpa went through it. It's just part of life. And then my youngest, who's 22, when I tried to say, yeah, 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 this is just how it is, he said, no, it's not. He goes, this generation is like no other generation. You know what? He's right. Because this generation of kids from five and up walk around with computers in their pockets. They no longer are learning about life through mom and dad. They're learning from Google. And social media devastates people and destroys teenagers. Suicide rate is higher than ever before amongst teenagers because Google is telling you how you should look and how you should act. And if you don't measure up, you're this or that. And people and kids are destroying one another on social media, spreading lies and rumors that that aren't true, and and just destroying the reputation of other kids, and and causing those kids to be isolated and, and suicidal. This is a crazy generation. So more than ever before, we need to be pouring into our kids, amen? We need to be teaching them about the things of God. We've been meeting here Wednesday nights, and we're doing prayer and worship. It's been amazing, and breakthroughs that are happening. But we are praying for our children because this next generation is so crucial because Jesus is coming soon, and we need to pass the torch off to our kids and know that they're going to go on for Jesus. And so, children, obey your parents. Honor your parents. Parents, Train up your children in the ways of the Lord so when they're older they won't depart. Don't provoke them to wrath. And then he comes to this area of, of employees and employers. He calls them bondservants and masters, which would be basically for our times employees and owners, bosses. Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of the heart as to Christ, not with eye service. As men-pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. That's good. That's good advice right there by the Lord. So you're in a job. You're not in that job for your boss. You're in that job for Jesus. And you're an ambassador for Christ. So you're representing him. Are you doing your job? That's a big question for all of us. He says not with eye service, not with men pleasing. You know, you know those guys that work at your work that they're, they're slouchers. But when the boss shows up, they're like, oh, cleaning over here, boss. Yep, doing this. What can I do for you? You know? And you're like, who is this guy? And as soon as the boss is gone, he's what? On his phone. Beep, beep, beep. beep. (laughs) You're hired for a job. You're not hired to go on Instagram, check your social media, surf the web. You're hired to do a job. You've agreed to do the job for a certain amount of money. I encourage you go above and beyond. People tell me I hate my job. I go, go above and beyond and watch who gets promoted next, the person that goes above and beyond. Well, you know, they won't let me share Jesus. You didn't get paid to share Jesus. You got paid to do a job to be a living example of Jesus. You know, when I hear people say, well, you know, I got fired because I was sharing the gospel, just suffering for Christ. No, you're suffering because you were stupid. I'm serious he didn't hire you if you got an unbelieving boss if you got a believing boss that lets you share the gospel praise the Lord but if you got an unbelieving boss who pays you to do a job and and instead of doing the job you're being paid for you're sharing the gospel you're not being a good example of Jesus Christ that sounds weird doesn't it but it's true See you want to be an example you want to go above and beyond in your job so your boss will see Jesus in you and give his life to the Lord and then let people share during work time Your job is to do your job on your break and your lunch hour and after hours you share the Lord of God the word of God you share Jesus You know it's like when Peter tells wives who can't reach their unbelieving husbands stop talking <laughs> I'm telling him about Jesus. I'm, I, I put a track in his sandwich, so when he bites in, he gets the track. I crank up the religious station on the radio for him, you know. So he goes, "Boom! Jesus, <laughs> repent or perish," you know. And stop. Peter says, "Stop telling him. Start showing him." That's what God's asking us to do at the workplace, and He even says that for the bosses. The bosses, you should be a reflection of Jesus Christ. If you're an owner of a business, your employees should be stoked with you. And if you don't like your job, understand that God put you there for such a reason. We're pilgrims passing through, right? I hate my job. Is everybody saved? No. Well, then that's why you're there. You know, the Bible says kings and priests, he made us. Did you know you're you're considered priests? Are you grabbing onto that? So every one of us here, in a sense, is a pastor disguised as something else. If you're a police officer, you're a pastor disguised as a police officer to tell people how to escape the prisons of hell. If you're a fireman... You're a pastor disguised as a fireman, telling people how to escape the fires of hell. If you're a teacher, you're a pastor disguised as a teacher, to teach them the word of God. If you're a surfboard shaper, I got nothing. Oh, you teach them how to God shapes you into a beautiful vessel. We better close in prayer. (laughs) Guys, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Understand whether you're a child, a parent, an employee, employer, a husband, a wife, a man or a woman. If you're in Christ Jesus, Jesus has to be first. And when Jesus is first in our life, everything else falls into place. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you um, just for reminding us these things. Holy Spirit, uh, fill us afresh before we go out these doors and enter the mission field. That you would guide us and lead us. You would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We just surrender all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you guys.